other so-called gods, man-made gods, have deceased because of the Lord. We'll talk about that today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we learn the Word of God. Why call the Word of God? I call it the Bible, the 66 books written by 40 authors over thousands of years. Now today, Isaiah 26, that's what we're going to look at. It's going to be very good, so stay there and get ready for it. Right now, Corey is here with Ryan. Today, I'm going to be focusing in on Isaiah chapter 27 uh, and some interesting things that God has to say about Israel and Judah's judgment. Ryan? Today, I'm dealing with this alleged Bible contradiction. Will everyone see the majesty of God? Isaiah 26.10 says no, but Isaiah 40 verse 5 says yes. All right, look forward to those pieces coming up in 20 minutes. Janice? Trust in the Lord. All right, so get your Bible guide out in your Bible and let's look at what God is telling us today. Isaiah 26, verses 12 through 21. Lord, you will establish peace for us, for you have also done all our works in us. O Lord our God, Masters besides you have had dominion over us, but by you only we make mention of your name. They are dead, they will not live. They are deceased, they will not rise. Therefore you have punished and destroyed them, and made all their memory to perish. You have increased the nation, O Lord, you have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have expanded all the borders of the land. Lord, in trouble they have visited you. They poured out a prayer when your chastening was upon them. As a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pangs, when she draws near the time of her delivery, so have we been in your sight, O Lord. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not accomplished any deliverance in the earth, nor have the inhabitants of the world fallen. Your dead shall live. Together with my dead body they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust. For your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. Isaiah chapter 26, verses 12 through 21. We read today Isaiah 25, Isaiah 26, and Isaiah 27. Hopefully you've had a chance to read it all. We're going to isolate Isaiah 26, 12 through 21, a song of salvation. Song. I like to say that music is the sound of our souls. We can communicate feeling and deep emotive themes. 
when we use music along with spoken word. Even if we don't have musical ability or a great singing voice ourselves, we are still able to learn ideas and memorize more easily with the aid of music and rhythm. I'm very glad that God judges the heart and not in, in the same way that man does. God doesn't listen to the sound of our physical voices, but instead, he listens to the meaning of our hearts as we sing. In today's reading, we see the prophet Isaiah using a song to communicate the work of God, a song. Isaiah says, What ails you now that you have all gone up to the housetops? Isaiah 21 or 22, verse 1. He is singing to Jerusalem. The city has lost its way again, but through music, it finds its way back to God. You know, sometimes uniting a chorus can be the best way to express our thoughts about God. No doubt this is one of the reasons, are you ready for this? A third of the Bible is considered to be ancient music. A third of the Bible. Can you believe that? That's absolutely true, my friend. Very interesting how music motivates us and how we have used music to entertain us. It's almost like a trick of the devil to say, well, you have to be entertained. But God gives us music to sing. The Psalms is all music to sing. Very important. We need to pay attention to that. Get your Bible guides out. And if you don't have a Bible guide, my question would be simple. Why not? We'll, we'll give you one. If you write to us or call us, or you can get one online, go to Bible Discovery TV, and we're going to isolate to today's passage as we focus on this. And you can give what you want. Thank you for your gifts, by the way. Very helpful. Very important. So we really appreciate that in this crazy world. Thank you for taking the time to give to a ministry that likes to teach God's Word. And uh, it'll take you to a page you can download this and be with us in seconds. So that's really good. We, we, need to, we need to pray today. And as we pray, let's ask the Lord to help us hear His Word. Father, today we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ and we pray that you would help us. Teach us your way and show us your path. I guess, Lord, what I'm saying is that, that through music, you can communicate to us. So we need to hear you. So help us to be ready as we listen. I, I guess I would call it, Lord, music lessons. <laughs> as your Holy Spirit teaches us the truth about the sound of our soul as we read it from Isaiah. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we said together, amen and amen. Okay. Let's look at this passage because this gets important. Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26, verse 12, which says this, and I love this, by the way. Lord, Lord, you will establish peace for us. You have also doned all of your works in us. This is amazing. Or rather, you've actually done all your works in us. O Lord, our God, masters beside you have had dominion over us. But by you only we make mention of your name. They are dead. They will not live. They are deceased. They will not rise. Therefore, you have punished and destroyed them and made all of their memory to perish. You have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have expanded all the borders 
of the land. Uh, This is something else. Other so-called gods have deceased and died because of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, because of Elohim Yahweh, Adonai. Although the fight is not yet over, Jesus Christ has won the war. Do you remember when Jesus Christ was crucified? Just think about this. You've probably heard it before if you know anything about the Bible. When we get to the gospel portions, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's going to say from the cross, it is finished. What's he talking about? He's not talking about your paint job or he's not talking about your workload. He's talking about he finished the job. He won the war, paid the cost of sin, done. Three days later, rose from the dead. That's what Jesus did. God has won the battle. He's won the war. Now, battles we're fighting still. And we have to remember that, that the Lord helps us to win the battles. Isaiah 26, the music continues, and it says, Lord, in trouble they have visited you. They poured out a prayer when your chastening was upon them. As a woman with a child is in pain and cries out in her pangs when she draws near the time of her delivery, so we or so have we been in your sight. O Lord, we have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it is as it were, brought forth wind. We have not accomplished any deliverances. In the earth, nor have we, nor have the inhabitants of the world fallen. Your dead shall live together with with my dead body. They shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust. For your dew is like the dew of herbs. And the earth shall cast out the dead. I, I love that line. The earth will cast out the dead. The second point, the Lord will make everything right. That is wrong. And Christians, Christ followers, know that real and true justice is with God and not on this earth right now. It's not. We have to understand that. I hear people say all the time, I demand justice. I demand, well, okay, that's fine. But real justice comes with God. We need to keep that in our hearts. Let's go back to the scripture. A couple of last verses. This is important. Come, my people. Enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The Lord will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. Which leads me to the third point. God will judge the earth, but the people of God are protected by the Lord Jesus. Keep this in mind. The Lord is our Redeemer. He protects us. He is our salvation, beloved. Remember that the Lord is our Redeemer and our salvation, and we need to keep that in mind. God has given us eternal life, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and that life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He does not have the Son of God, does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. 1 John 5, 11, 12, and 13. Think about that scripture. Very important to remember that in the prophetic. This is the music of God. 
These are the sounds of our soul. And we need to make those sounds known in this world right now. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Today, you and I are going to be focusing in on the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 27, because it's really interesting. It's a reversal, uh, almost a reversal of Isaiah chapter five, which contains the song of the vineyard. Uh, now, back in Isaiah chapter five, we see God setting this up where he, he gives, he plants this vineyard and gives it its best chance. And yet it's unprofitable. It doesn't uh, have any fruit. It, it, it's, it's terrible. It's a waste of time. Uh, and then here in Isaiah chapter 27, in verse two, it says, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. I guard it day and night so that no one may harm it. I am not angry. Um, and then jumping down to verse six, in days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. So we, we see this reversal. But what's really interesting is that it talks about how God brings, will bring and has been bringing punishment against Israel and Judah. And it says this, by this then, this is in verse nine, by this then will Jacob's guilt be atoned for, and this will be the full fruit of the removal of his sin. When he makes all the altar stones to be like limestone crushed to pieces, no Asherah poles or incense altars will be left standing. And it goes on to describe the desolate nature of uh, the, the land that the people built, so the, the fortified cities and all of that. Today, we're going to be focusing in on these idolatrous practices, uh, specifically on uh, Asherah and, and, and who that was or what that was and, and identifying it because God identifies these um, the apostasy, the religious apostasy of Israel and Judah as a main reason why they were an unfruitful vineyard in the first place. The word Asherah and its plural Asherim are in the Bible many times in reference to worship practices that were forbidden to the Israelites. While one of the traditional interpretations of Asherah, Asherim, is as a pagan goddess, the Bible's usage of the word isn't always as straightforward. Sometimes the Bible's usage does seem to indicate a goddess. In 1 Kings 18, the prophet Elijah refers to 450 prophets of the known pagan god Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. Also, idols and graven images of Asherah are mentioned. However, in other biblical references, the word Asherah is presented as a tree, a tree trunk, or a wooden pole. And in many cases, the plural Asherim is used. In the ancient Jewish Mishnah, three kinds of Asherah are mentioned, a tree, a tree trunk cut and trimmed, and an idol. 
the concept of a goddess associated with a tree is very well attested to in the ancient Near East. The goddess that most scholars identify as the precursor to Asherah is an early Canaanite goddess whose names are linguistically connected to Asherah and who was seen as the mother of the gods. She was revered as the god of the home and love and was the spouse of the chief god El, who was eventually replaced by Baal. Asherah is linked to Baal in the Bible. The older goddess's symbol was the sacred tree flanked by two animals or humans who were reaching up to eat the tree's fruit. While there are no mentions of Asherah in Canaanite literature, the Bible's picture of a goddess and trees and wooden poles line up with this earlier goddess's description. It seems Asherah was a goddess and her symbol was the tree. Disturbingly, though it was forbidden, the worship of Asherah in Israel and Judah seems to have flourished. Several inscriptions have been found that contain a blessing formula to bring prosperity by God and his Asherah. These formulas date to just before the time of Hezekiah, king of Judah, putting into context for us the challenge he faced in attempting to rally the nation back to a biblical method of worship. So there we go. We can see uh, quite clearly that the Bible, you know, over and over and over speaks against these practices that tried to intermingle the worship of God with the worship of other things or other people or other gods. It always speaks against that. We can't just worship God in any way that we want. He is God. He gets to decide. Uh, he, you know, gets to dictate what's right and what's wrong and what's moral. And he does. And if we ignore it, that's on us. It's really important to hear this message. That's excellent, Corey. Very good. Ryan? All right, well, today to go along with our reading, I want to deal with an alleged contradiction between Isaiah chapter 26 and Isaiah chapter 40. And the question is this, will everyone see the majesty of God? Isaiah chapter 40 verse 5 says yes, but Isaiah chapter 26 verse 10 says no. Well, let's do some digging. Although many regard the biblical book of Isaiah as a literary and theological masterpiece coming directly from the divine mind, others claim that it, along with the rest of scripture, is nothing more than the contrivance of men. In support of this protest, critics cite what they believe to be contradictions and errors within the text, for they know that if such mistakes exist, then the Bible cannot be the word of God as it claims, since God, by definition, cannot lie. However, it is highly significant that no such error or contradiction has ever yet been proven to the satisfaction of a court of law. Indeed, when given a fair trial, the Bible has been, without exception, absolved of any such claims. For example, critics contend that Isaiah is conflicted over just who will see the majesty of God. While Isaiah chapter 40 verse 5 says that everyone will see God's majesty, Isaiah chapter 26 verse 10 seems to say that not everyone will see it. In Isaiah 45, the prophet declares, Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Yet in Isaiah 26.10 he says, If favor is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, they deal perversely, and do not see the majesty of the Lord. So then, will everyone see the majesty of God, or not? In one effort to defend the integrity and unity of these passages, it has been pointed out that the words see and behold, as well as glory and majesty, are different. To behold something is not just to see something, it is much more involved. 
And the glory and majesty of the Lord is so incredible that it would take an eternity to fully comprehend it. Just because the wicked see the glory of the Lord for a time does not mean that they really saw everything about the glory of the Lord. This has been likened to driving through a certain city. In driving through it, you might see it, but it is not until you visit the various places within that city that you behold it. Thus, in the same way, the wicked will see the glory of the Lord for a time, but it will be so short that they will not really behold it. Yet even if these two Isaiah passages are speaking in similar terms and of similar events, there is still no contradiction, because Isaiah 45 and 26.10 are referring to two totally different times in history. As another defender of biblical inerrancy points out, Isaiah 26.10 is proclaiming that the wicked of that specified time do not perceive the majesty of the Lord. But Isaiah 45 reports of a time in Isaiah's future when all flesh will see the glory of the Lord revealed. Thus the false claim of the critic cannot stand in the light of the truth of God's word. You know, again and again, the Bible has been criticized and charged with false claims, which has caused countless people to lose their faith. But as we've seen through these apologetic segments, it's always the cynic who's dead wrong, not the Bible. And this sort of attack isn't anything new. As a matter of fact, it's been going on since Satan deceived Eve in Eden. He came at her with the same question, did God really say? Well, it's no surprise that after thousands of years of listening to the father of lies, we now live in the most skeptical time of all history. I mean, there's even a skeptics annotated Bible that's been produced. So what we need to do is what Adam and Eve should have done, which is to trust and stand on God's word and resist the devil's lies. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't investigate questions regarding the Bible. I mean, becoming a Christian doesn't mean we check our brains at the door. Quite to the contrary, God wants us to engage with him and his word and ask questions and seek out the truth. You know, it's interesting because in Isaiah, God says, come, let us reason together. Mm -hmm. Now, this is God. I mean, he's the supreme ruler of everything and creator of everything. And he says to his servant, come, let us reason together. That's right. And Absolutely same, stunning. It's the same for us, right? Yeah. He invites us to reason with him. I think that's fascinating. Anyway, that's a really good one. We, we, don't, we have to get going here. Go ahead, Jane. <laughs> well, that's all right. My segment today is called Trust in the Lord. One of my favorite verses ever is found in Isaiah 26, and it starts with verse 3, and it goes into verse 4. Let me, let me read it to you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. So this is talking about God. God will keep you. God will keep me in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on him. When we think about heavenly things, when we think of things above, when we take our emotions, whatever they may be, and focus it on who God is, what he has done. And just as we were saying before, the, the creator of the entire universe wants a relationship with you and with me. Come, let us reason together. God says to us, what an invitation. I can't even fully understand the meaning of that, but I know that it's true. And if the creator of the universe wants to spend time with you or me, 
why wouldn't we take that opportunity to do that? It goes on later on in Isaiah 26 and verse 7. Listen to this. It says, The way of the just is upright. O most upright, you weigh the path of the just. Yes, in the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you. The desire of our soul is for your name and for the remembrance of you. With my soul, I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I seek you early. God encourages us. It's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is what we need to do. He needs to be first place in our life. He needs to be the desire in the night. He needs to be the desire of our day because then he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, does that mean that we won't have trouble? No, it doesn't. Jesus even said, you will have trouble, but don't be afraid. I have overcome the world. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 is also a, a great passage for those of us that follow the Lord that require that peace that only God can give. Peace in times of hardship, peace in the times when we're scared, when we are anxious. Maybe we've been given a bad report from the doctor. Maybe somebody that we love is deep in trouble and we're worried for them. There's so many examples that I can give. But this peace that comes, comes from in the heart. And when you have Jesus Christ in your heart, That's how that peace can come. And he says, don't carry your burdens, give them to me. These are the things that God calls us to give to him. So let's do that. Philippians 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Listen to this now. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, bringing it to the Lord with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Today we pray as we conclude the program, Lord, help me to pay attention to what you're doing in the lives around me now. I need to share my testimony. Help me to do that, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen. Now let's remember something. 
Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 3.30 to 4.30, Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery TV. We are live with the prayer meeting and we would love to have you with us so we can pray for your needs. And we'll pray for the world.